The supreme personality of Godhead, however, is neither Bhutva nor Pradiyate. He is eternal. In other words, he is not obliged to take birth like human beings or animals, which repeatedly take birth and die because of ignorance of the soul. The supreme personality of Godhead Krishna is not subjected to such changes of body, and one who thinks otherwise is considered a fool. Abhajananti Mahamura Manushantanamashrita. Narad Muni advises that human beings not waste their time simply jumping like cats and monkeys without real benefit. The duty of the human being is to understand the supreme personality of Godhead. Om Ajnanati Virandasya Jnananjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Shri Chaitanya Manodhishtam Sthapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadamayam Dadati Svapadatikam Mukam Karoti Vachalam Pangum Langayate Girim Yathripata Maham Bandhi Shri Guru Dinatarinam Vanchakalpa Tarubhyascha Kripa Sindhu Vyayevacha Patitanam Pavanevyo Vaishnavevyo Namo Namaha Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhara Shri Vasadi Gaurabhukta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare So we are continuing the discussion about Naradhani's teachings to the sons of Prajapati Daksha. Um, obviously we saw how Prajapati Daksha in the previous chapter concluded by him for offering the Hamsa Buriha prayers. He offered very beautiful prayers to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. After he had done meditation on a mountain, he had performed lots of austerities and then he offers beautiful prayers to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And now we are seeing in this chapter that Daksha whose role or whose duty in this particular creation was to actually uh, create progeny. He, his role was to actually populate the whole universe and we see him performing that role. So over at the beginning of the chapter we saw how he had 10,000 children in the womb of his wife, the Haryashwas, and he sent them to the forest to perform austerities with a view to become purified and then have progeny. So his instructions to them were very clear that go and create progeny and populate this material world. So at least we are seeing this good aspect of Daksha that he, you know, he is not encouraging his children to produce progeny like cats and dogs. Even in the previous chapter we saw towards the end, Daksha actually produces, uh, like he populates the universe, but he is not very happy with the quality of population that he produces. And therefore he actually takes sannyasa and he goes on top of a mountain. And that's when he performs austerities, the Lord appears before him and then he offers the Hamsa prayers. So in this chapter also he is continuing the same quest that the creation or the progeny which should populate this material world should be of good quality, should be good progeny. And therefore with that particular aim in mind he sends his 10,000 sons, the Haryashwas, to the forest to meditate. And last two days we heard such beautiful classes from His Holiness Ramai Swami Maharaj where he was describing how they go and they perform lots of austerities so that they are purified before they actually fulfill their father's duty of uh, uh, creating population in this uh, world. But Narad Muni intervenes. Now we know Narad Muni is a transcendental trickster. Uh, he is a transcendental, um, he is there to actually come and save all conditioned souls from getting into Grahastashram, especially that is his like, main role we see. In many, many uh, cantos of the Bhagavatam, we see him doing that. So he intervenes, Narad Muni intervenes because he realizes that these sons of Daksha are actually very potent, like they have purified themselves so well, they have done so many austerities and he knows Grahastashram can actually be quite binding. So he wants these sons who can actually control their senses to then get liberated by taking the Brahmacharya path and not get entangled in the Grahastashram. So with that view in mind, he comes to talk to the Haryashvas and he preaches them very nicely. Now Narad Muni appears time and again in the Srimad Bhagavatam. 
we see him we see him from the first canto itself in the shrimad bhagavatam he has such an important role to play in the lord's pastimes he is always there propagating devotional service he is always there propagating the true goal of life to people in this material world in the first canto we saw him instructing vyasa dev how he should write the shrimad bhagavatam and then throughout the cantos in the fourth canto we see he is come back to preach to dhru maharaj and then when dhru maharaj reign is over on this earth there was no ruler so and king utanapada had already retired at that time so narad muni was again involved he had actually preached to utanapada's brother priyavrata and he had encouraged him again to you know be brahmachari not take grahasthashram even though he was a king and he was under the instructions of his guru narad muni maharaj priyavrata was practicing austerities on gandamadana mountain but there was utanapada was born he had retired dhru maharaj had finished his reign so who was there to rule the kingdom and therefore swayam bhuva manu himself came priyavrata sadhak came to encourage priyavrata to return with the kingdom but priyavrata was firmly fixed in his brahmacharya based on the instructions of narad muni once again and he did not want to give up that position he did not want to go back enter because if you are a king obviously you'll be a grahastha you'll have a wife you'll have children because then those uh, sons will carry forward the reign of the kingdom so he didn't want to enter that particular realm of existence so he actually refuses his father and we see prabhupad says in many instances that when a father instructs like a, a a person or sometimes even a guru instructs a disciple to take the grahastha ashram that is one particular instruction if sometimes the disciple or the son is not able to follow because they have a strong inclination to remain a brahmachari then there is no uh, fault in that particular uh, not following that particular instruction and we see that in the four kumaras as well when the four kumaras were produced by lord brahma he told them go and progenate like create progeny create population in this universe because this is the time of creation going on but the four kumaras it said their semen was flowing upwards it was flowing to their brains because of which their spiritual intelligence was extremely um, extremely sharp so they did not want to get entangled at all in the grahastashram uh, and they refused that order of their father and over there prabhupad beautifully describes in the purport how this instruction is one instruction which can be neglected by the sons so in this way we see over here also in priyavrata's maharaj priyavrata's case also he was following the instructions of his guru and when his father came and told him please come and take over the kingdom we need you to rule there is no ruler there he refuses his father he says no i'm firmly fixed here and I'm, I'm, i'm really liking this to perform austerities on this mountain i do not want to get come and get entangled in uh, kingly duties but then brahma himself came and when brahma himself came to instruct him there's a beautiful photo also in the beginning of fifth canto where uh, narad muni is there priyavrata is there swayam kumar is there and brahma comes on uh, his form to come and request maharaj priyavrata to take up grahasthashram and to take up kingly duties and only when lord brahma comes and intervenes does maharaj priyavrata then agree to take up grahasthashram so we see narad muni plays a very integral and uh, very uh, deep role in the lives of so many devotees who appear in the shrimad bhagavatam and in the same way we see him doing over here he has come and he has again narad muni was extremely um, uh, clever in his preaching like you know he used to always see kal desha patra how to preach to different people what will work with one formula works with one person the same formula might not work with somebody else so with dhru maharaj for example he saw his blood was he had hot shatriya blood he wanted to perform austerity so that he can get a kingdom bigger than his lord he tricked him first and he tested him and said that no you should go back and in that way he actually made his resolve even firmer to achieve the favors of the supreme lord so that he can get that kingdom so we see with different with kayadu when pralad maharaj was in her womb narad muni preached indirectly he actually preached to kayadu and that way pralad maharaj heard all the instructions of narad muni from the womb of his mother and year over year we are seeing he is using an allegory and we saw that in the previous canto as well narad muni was preaching to king prachina bhari and he uses the whole allegory of king puranjana so very very uh, smart and very clever in his preaching by because prabhupad says that when allegories are used by devotees to preach which means like you know stories and not talking directly to the person but giving them stories so that they relate to that 
they take the moral and they apply it to their own lives. And that is what we see him doing in Prachina Bhari's case as well. He told the whole pastime of King Puranjana. That was obviously a fictional person who was existing. But through that whole pastime, King Prachina Bhari later on realized there are beautiful verses. He says that, oh, I know now that this was all meant for me. You are preaching to me through this story. So in the same way with the higher Ashwas, he is also using the same allegories. He is telling them that there is, you know, a kingdom where there is only one king and there is a very unchaste woman whom a person has married and there is a sharp razor like uh, blade which is continuously rotating. So very different, different, um, uh, very different, different comparisons he is using to get that message across to them that do not waste your time by entering Brahastashram. You all are fit for taking Brahmacharya and you all are fit for, you know, pursuing that particular path, uh, path back to Godhead. And the, yesterday also Maharaj was saying that the Haryashwas were very intelligent. With their natural intelligence, they understood this allegory which uh, Naradhuni was trying to explain to them. And now we are seeing like with all these verses, we are seeing one, 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 one allegory being understood by the Haryashwas and what is the purport of those allegories which Naradhuni was telling him. So in today's verse we see Naradhuni spoke about a kingdom which has only one ruler and has no competitor. So obviously he was trying to drive home the point that the Supreme Lord, Ekala Ishwara Krishna, like there is only one Supreme Lord, there is nobody else. And the duty of mankind is actually to worship that Supreme Personality of Godhead. That is the goal of the human form of life. That is, that is, the, reason, that is the explanation of this particular allegory which Naradhuni explained to them. And listening to Naradhuni's instructions, the Haryashwas then decide that no, we do not want to get entangled. What Naradhuni is saying is correct. So they actually give up and from there itself they go away to uh, perform further austerities and to perform the Pratham Brahmacharya. And Prabhupada many times says, Prabhupada says that um, when we are travelling on a highway, you know the highway is like a high speed road which takes us to our destination which is far away. So the highway is Brahmacharya Ashram. So Prabhupada says that that is the fast way to go back to Godhead. And Grihastashram is the safe way to go back to Godhead. And especially in Kaliuga, Prabhupada says, like obviously in the earlier ages, people had long lifetimes, they had long, more control over their senses, they were able to do austerities for many, many years, they were able to control the semen which then used to flow upwards. But in Kaliuga, Prabhupada specially says that the safe way to go back to Godhead is the Grihastashram. However, someone who can actually pursue Brahmacharya, it's very glorious because that is the fast way back to Godhead. So we see Naradhuni also pursuing, like you know, preaching the same thing, like adopt Brahmacharya Ashram wherever possible. So we see even in the next, uh, after this, once the Haryashwas leave, then Daksha is very, obviously he is very desolate, he is very disappointed that I sent my sons for a particular purpose and this Naradhuni intervened and he actually completely destroyed the, uh, the project management that I was going to do. He has the, you know, created his own this thing and he has taken them away. So then he again produces thousand more children and again he sends them for austerities. But once again, Naradhuni intervenes and he actually preaches to those thousand sons and they also become brahmacharis and leave and go away. Mm -hmm. And at the end of this chapter, we will see that Daksha then becomes really upset with Naradhuni and he curses him. And what is the curse he gives him? He says that you will not be able to stay in one place at all. You will have to keep traveling. You will not have a fixed residence in this material world because you did not allow my children to have a residence and like create progeny and rule the kingdom. So you will not have a fixed residence and you will keep traveling. And just as Maharaj Parikshit accepted the curse without retorting or without um, like uh, he could have counter curse Maharaj Parikshit when he was also cursed. In the same way, Naradhuni also accepted this curse from Prajapati Daksha. And he said, yes, I am your offender, I do accept this curse from you. And Prabhupada says that actually it was a boon or blessing for, for Naradhuni because that gave him all the more avenues. Like he didn't have a house where he had to then, you know, when you have a house, you have to maintain the house, look after it. You know, you get involved in so many things when you have a house. But then Naradhuni was now free. He could just keep, you know, intergalactic traveller. He could keep travelling between different, different planets and he could keep delivering many, many souls back to the lotus feet of Lord Krishna. And Prabhupada actually says that that curse is there on him as well. In one particular purport, Prabhupada talks about that. 
that how he has that curse and he has not been able to see in one place once you know since he took one of us the ashram we read in the lilamrita as well how prabhupad had to keep traveling he tried something in jhasi then he was there in vrindavan uh, for some time and then ultimately he came to the west and when he came to the west also he was not in one place at all sometimes devotees would like prabhupad to stay in one place they would plead with him and prabhupad would say no i have the curse of narad muni on me i do not have a fixed residence i have to keep traveling to preach and spread krishna consciousness far and wide so we see that narad muni is playing such an important role in the shrimad bhagavatam he is delivering so many souls and like we said he uses different different tricks and different different ways to preach to them he doesn't like one category fits all he this preaching method was not like that and prabhupad similarly we see used to do that like he used to tell for scientists like all the educated class prabhupad actually asked swarup damodar maharaj to create that whole academy which is there in calcutta so he said we should have <coughs> different preaching methodologies for different people with the hippies in 1967 he used different method and then when he came to india along with he used to call his dancing white elephants he used a different method because he knew that indians will they get very attracted when they see westerners take up take up their philosophy and that might motivate them to take up krishna consciousness so that is the method and trick he used for to get indians to take up krishna consciousness so we we see shila prabhupad following in the footsteps of narad muni doing all these activities how narad muni does them in the bhagavatam in fact narad muni plays a very important role even in krishna leela like he 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 is there and you know krishna bhagwan actually warns shrimati radharani once that you have to be very careful of this narad muni he is a trickster he can actually create trouble and we see that particular aspect of narad muni like portrayed so much in hindi movies and serials and all he is come to be say also don't be narad muni don't create instigate fights between us like that but narad muni sometimes does that just to increase the rasa of the past time so in krishna leela once lord krishna was uh, and all the uh, sakhis all the gopis had created a beautiful swing for krishna to uh, and radharani to enjoy and they were all waiting radharani was still getting ready in her room and they were all waiting for radharani to come and there appears narad muni and everybody like all the gopis and krishna pay obeisances to narad muni and krishna says uh, narad muni it's so nice you've come over here how can i serve you and narad muni says that oh i can see you have created this beautiful swing i would really like to see you and lalita sakhi swing on this particular swing so he requests narad muni and then the gopis and krishna are a bit scared they are saying no 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 this was meant for krishna and radharani swinging how can we have lalita sakhi even lalita sakhi was a bit scared but narad muni said that i just had that one simple desire i want to see krishna and lalita sakhi swing together on the swing just for some time so then obviously lord krishna had to agree because narad muni is a saint you you have to listen to saintly persons and he started swinging with lalita sakhi and here goes narad muni to radharani in her chamber and narad muni goes and tells her that what are you doing my dear radhe and she said oh i'm getting ready because we have a swing festival now soon and she he said okay you keep getting ready krishna is already enjoying the swing festival with lalita sakhi and she comes and she sees them you know swinging on the swing and she becomes very angry with krishna like she so shows her man leela and she doesn't want to talk to krishna after that not look at his face and then krishna has to go and pacify her and he understands when he talks to radharani that this is the work of narad muni so and then he tells see i told you please be careful of narad muni he can create trouble and that's when radharani realizes that yes i have to be careful of narad muni but we see he does all these things just to increase the transcendental mellows like how we relish when we read these pastimes so it's just to increase the pleasure of his devotees of krishna's devotees that narad muni does and he does the same thing even in dwarka leela he goes and instigates satyabhama when lord krishna gives the parijata flower to rukmini devi he had visited the heavenly kingdom he gets a parijata flower from the heavenly garden for rukmini devi and he was only one flower so he gives it to his principal queen and knowing satyabhama's nature narad muni goes and instigates her that see krishna has given a parijata flower to rukmini did he give you and obviously satyabhama immediately you know why they get a bit uh, uh, envious or they get a bit uh, restless and their husbands are not giving them attention 
So then Satyabhama goes and again there's a fight. Again Krishna realizes this is Narajuni's work. And then he actually takes Satyabhama to the heavenly kingdoms and he brings the whole tree for her to plant in her garden. So we see how Narajuni instigates these pastimes. But they are all just to increase the transcendental rasa for the devotees to enjoy and relish these pastimes more and get attracted more and more to Lord Krishna's Vilas. So in the same way, just as Narad Muni appears throughout the Bhagavatam, he appears in Krishna Leela, Narad Muni played a very great role even in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Leela. He came as none other than Srivas Thakur or Srivas Pandit, whose appearance day we are celebrating today. So we will spend the next few minutes talking about Srivas Thakur and his glories. And he is obviously the part, he's part of the Panchatattva, so he is an extremely important personality in the Panchatattva. Today, in fact, there will be a very big celebration in the Mayapur temple. <coughs> they actually do Abhishek of Srivas Thakur and uh, they have a big festival in Mayapur. So Srivas Thakur is one of the Panchatattva like we said. So there is a beautiful verse as we know, Panchatattvatmakam Krishnam Bhakta Rupa Sarupakam Bhaktavataram Bhaktakyam Namami Bhakta Shaktikam So there are five manifestations of the Supreme Personality of Godhead when he came in Gauralila. So Bhakta, uh, Bhakta Rupa Bhakta Rupa. Bhakta Rupa means the form of a devotee, which is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself. Bhakta Rupa Swarupakam means devotional incarnation, which is none other than Lord Nityananda, who was obviously we know Lord Balaram in Krishna Liga. Bhakta Avatara. Bhakta Avatara means devotional manifestation of Lord Krishna, which is none other than Advaita Acharya who we know is a combined incarnation of Sadashiva and Mahavishnu. Bhaktakyam. Bhaktakyam means a pure devotee, which is none other than Srivas Thakur, who is an incarnation of Narad Muni, and Namami Bhakta Shaktikam. So the devotional Shakti or the energy of the Lord, which is none other than Radharani, who appeared as Dadadhar Pandit. So Srivas Thakur or Srivas Pandit, as he is known, he is one of the pure devotees who appeared during Gaur Leela, an incarnation of Narad Muni to assist Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in all his pastimes. And he plays a very, very, very important role during his pastimes. So, <coughs> he appeared in Sri Hatta. Sri Hatta is a place which is close to Navadri. And he appeared there and he lived with his three brothers whose names were Sri Pati, Sri Nidhi and Sri Ram. And it is said that the Sri Ram, the youngest brother of Srivas Thakur, was actually an incarnation of Parvata Muni was a very dear friend of Narad Muni. So Narad Muni and Parvat Muni, they both appeared as brothers, as Srivas Thakur and Sri Ram. So when Srivas Thakur was a great devotee, like we said, and when he, through his transcendental meditation, he came to know that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, like Krishna will appear in Navadvik Dham. So he actually moved to Mayapur and he came to stay in Navadvik Dham, very close to where Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was born, very close to Yoga Pita. So when we even now we go for Mayapur uh, Darshan, Mayapur Parikrama, we see Srivas Thakur's house is hardly located few miles away from uh, Yoga Beach, where Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was born. So he moved over there and he and his wife Malani Devi, they were very close associates of Jagannath Mishra and Sachi Mata, the parents of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So Srivas Thakur was actually 30 years elder to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And when uh, they knew that Sachi Mata would, you know, the Supreme Personality of Godhead would take birth, they actually moved there and Srivas Thakur and Malini Devi were nurturing Chaitanya Mahaprabhu since his childhood. They helped Sachi Mata with her delivery, they helped Sachi Mata look after the child. So Malini Devi had that very motherly affection for Srivas Thakur and same with, uh, sorry for um, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and same with Srivas Thakur. He had a fatherly affection for him. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, it is said, used to consider Srivas Thakur and Malini Devi as his second mother and father. So they were such close associates. And um, so it is said that not only Advaita Acharya's loud cries, like you know the famous song is that Umukara Garjanadi. So through his loud cries, Advaita Acharya forced Krishna to appear in this world. But it was also Srivas Thakur's prayers and loud Sankirtan that even Srivas Thakur did which actually forced Krishna to come down as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So we see that uh, when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu appeared, obviously there was a lot, he, he did not display his pastime of being Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in, uh, very quickly. He was first the famous Nimai Pandit of Navadvi. 
and he was a great scholar he was a great logician and he was he used to sometimes make fun of all the devotees when they used to get together and they used to chant so shrivas thakur even before chaitanya mahaprabhu's time he would regularly meet with advaita acharya so all the devotees who were there they would regularly meet in advaita acharya's house and they would read the bhagavatam together they would have hari katha there they would do kirtans together very nicely and they would do various devotional activities over there and as part of that advaita acharya and shrivas thakur prayed because they saw that navadvip had become a seat of logicians scholars pandits so called pandits who were not interested in bhakti uh, but they were just interested in establishing how great they are in grammar and logic and all so seeing the fallen condition they actually invited krishna to please come and listen in this material world and when nimai pandit came they were you know he had not manifested his leela as being the supreme lord who has come to spread the holy name and in fact like i said he was displaying the pastime of being a great scholar but even then all these vaishnavas used to feel great attraction for him they were not they were not able to check their attraction they used to feel so much love whenever they would see nimai pandit and they would actually feel sad that nimai pandit is just a great scholar he is wasting his life so one shiva thakur actually went and counseled uh, nimai pandit because nimai pandit used to accept him also as his second father he counseled him and he asked him he said why do people study to understand what is devotion to lord krishna if by scholarship with one doesn't gain devotion to lord krishna then all his study all the grammar logic his scholarship is a complete waste of time because it is not invoking attraction to the supreme personality of godhead it will just become a tedious endeavor which will not lead to any results so why in the avail if you are actually learned why don't you then give up this scholarly pursuits and you start worshiping the supreme lord krishna which is the goal of everyone's life so when chaitanya when nimai pandit heard this um, counsel and smile rebuking or chastisement from shrivas thakur he just laughed and he said that oh thank you so much if if uh, by your mercy certainly this will come to be true one day so he actually was very thankful and grateful to shrivas thakur for chastising him and he said it will definitely come to be true one day if you are all kind to me i will definitely attain devotion to the lotus feet of lord krishna so that is what shrivas thakur um, like that uh, dialogue which got exchanged between shrivas thakur and nimai pandit when he was even a logician and it is said shortly after that after this conversation chaitanya mahaprabhu actually went to gaya to do the last rites to do the pinda ceremony for his father for the departed ancestors and over there we know the whole past and how he met his uh, guru ishwara puri how he took initiation and when he took initiation it is said he almost became like a mad man when he got that mantra the hari krishna mantra from his guru he almost became like a mad man and he started displaying devotional ecstasies whenever he would chant so when he came back from gaya he actually went and met shiva thakur and he told shivas thakur that people are considering that i am crazy i have become mad because of the way you know i am not able to control myself my tongue tongue my tongue can't stop chanting this mantra which my guru maharaj has given and i i don't know what is happening to me but all the time tears are flowing from my eyes i i am not able to contain my tongue from chanting this maha mantra so have i actually gone mad he went and asked shivas thakur and shivas thakur hugged him and he said that i wish i would get this madness which you have because you have attained love of krishna and you are a, you are displaying the devotional ecstasies which one attains when they get love for krishna and that is what has happened to you so continue on this path you are not mad at all nimai obviously his name was now um, chaitanya mahaprabhu so this is the role which shivas thakur used to play in chaitanya mahaprabhu's life and his house shivas thakur's house especially shiva sangam was actually the prime place for all of chaitanya mahaprabhu's pastimes when he was manifest till the time he lived in navadvip so that is it is in fact said that shiva sangam is non different than raslila sthal so just as krishna performed raslila with all his gopis like for you know many nights of brahma they used to perform that raslila in the same way shiva sangam is also considered as rasasthali because over there all krishna in the form of 
Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in the form of Krishna and Radharani combined with all the associates used to perform loud kirtans in Shiva's Thakur's uh, house. So therefore it is not different than Rasasthali and it is as pure as Rasasthali. Not only that, many other important pastimes happened in Shiva's Thakur's house. The Mahaprakash Leela, which lasted for 21 hours, happened in Shiva's Thakur's house. The whole uh, proce uh, procession which went to Chand Kazi's house, we saw the drama a few days ago, that also actually started from Shiva's Thakur's house. The whole uh, revolt that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu led, the residents of Navadip to do against Chand Kazi. So, so many pastimes took place from Shiva's Thakur's house and it was considered to be a very, very holy place. Even when Chan Kazi became angry, when the neighbors complained and he came there and he broke that Mridanga. So even that particular uh, uh, darshan is still there. When we go to Shiva Sangam, we can see that Mridanga. And that broken Mridanga is there and therefore it is also called as Kola uh, Bhunga Daga. That, that holy place is called like that. So lots of Leelas from Shiva's Thakur's house. Even where Lord Nityananda used to come. To Navadvi. Like first he stayed in Nandanacharya's house before anybody could discover him. And then he used to regularly come and stay in Shiva's Thakur's house. He was so attracted and he was so close to Shiva's Thakur. And he would, it is said he would only accept Prashadam from Shiva's Thakur's wife, Malini Devi's hands. Only when she would personally feed Nityanand Prabhu, only then he would accept that Prashadam. Otherwise he would not accept Prashadam from anybody else. So Lord Nityananda also performed lots of pastimes in Shiva Sangha and in Shiva's Thakur's house. And in fact once, you know, because Lord Nityananda was so close to Shiva's Thakur and he would always come there, once Chaitanya Mahaprabhu actually wanted to test the faith of Shiva's Thakur. So he came and chastised Shiva's Thakur and he said that why do you associate with this Abhadhuta? We don't know anything about his lineage, we don't know anything about his family background. Who knows where he has come from and what he was doing in, his, in the past before coming over here. We don't know any of that. So why are you keeping this Avaduta in your house and why are you closely associating with him? You just throw him out of the house now. And then Shiva's Thakur actually fell at the feet of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And he said that even if Lord Nityananda is a drunkard, I see him drinking wine or even if he, even if he is a meat eater, and I lose all my wealth just by associating with this Lord Nityanand Prabhu whom you are calling an Abhadhunga, I will still not give up the worship of both your lotus feet because I know who you all are. And when Shiva's Thakur answered like that, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu became very pleased with him. And he offered profuse blessings on Shiva's Thakur and he told him that you have understood the true position of my close associate and my dear confidential devotee. Nityananda. And because you have honored him and you are not making any distinction between him and me, you will always be blessed. And you will, even if Lakshmi Devi has to go begging with a begging bowl in her hand, there will be no poverty in your house at all. And even the cats and dogs of your house will be steady devotees of Lord Krishna. So this, this is a profuse blessing Srivas Thakur received just because he understood the actual position of Lord Nityananda well and he did not make any distinction between Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Lord Nityananda. In fact, once when Srivas Thakur was, uh, when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was visiting Srivas Thakur, he would always see that Srivas Thakur and all his three brothers and their wives and all the family members would be continuously engaged in serving the lotus feet of the Lord. They had beautiful altar, they would always be worshipping Krishna, singing Kirtans, chanting Japa, like they were 24 hours a day they were engaged in devotional services. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu asked Srivas Thakur, he said that you are always doing devotional service, I do not see you going out to earn any livelihood, then how are you maintaining your family? And I am really intrigued to find out because I don't see you or your brothers doing any endeavours to, to amass any wealth or to look after your family. So then Shiva's Thakur, it's called the transcendental clap of Shiva's Thakur. So he said that Shiva's Thakur, it is said that Shiva's Thakur clapped three times. And then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu asked, what is the meaning of these claps? And Shiva's Thakur said that if I, you know, I will clap three times my Lord. And if by the time I clap the third time, if there is no, that means three days. He was saying it represents three days. If there is no food in the house, then I will tie a pot a jug around my neck and I will go and drown in the Ganga. That is what I have said, but I am not going to waste my time 
trying to you know materially endeavor and get you know collect food stuffs and all that for looking after my family because i know krishna is the supreme maintainer when he is there why do i have to worry about my own maintenance he is maintaining even the cats dogs monkeys animals everybody will he not look after me and i have no desires anyway i don't have any other great desires but krishna is there to look after my subsistence whatever i need for my bare sub- minimum subsistence he, he will provide and it is said even at that time chaitanya mahaprabhu blessed him when he saw shiva's thakur's detachment even though he was a grahastha he had family members he saw his detachment and he blessed him that you know even if lakshmi devi begs you will not be able to see power you will never see power in your house they will always be food they will always be you know you will always be provided for so that is the blessing he gave and then we see that chaitanya mahaprabhu used to do these loud kirtans in shiva sangam and when he was doing these loud kirtans first they started with day kirtans like they would do kirtans only during the day and then everybody would go to their respective homes and take rest at night but then the devotees themselves they were feeling so much ecstasy so they themselves told chaitanya mahaprabhu that why are we wasting our time at night why can't we continue doing kirtan day and night 24 by 7 why can't we do kirtan and chaitanya mahaprabhu said yes why not let's let's start night kirtans as well in shrivas thakur's house so even not only during the day but even at night the devotees would continue chanting in shrivas thakur's house and obviously they would do loud kirtan like you know when devotees go in ecstasy everybody dances especially we see prabhu prabhu when he is doing kirtan everybody has to dance like he is really empowered by the lord i don't know where he gets this energy from to keep doing cloud kirtan continuously for hours and hours and day by day after day after day and like making devotees dance and he himself is dancing in ecstasy when he does kirtan so we can imagine when chaitanya mahaprabhu used to do the nightly kirtans how ecstatic that whole mood would be so they used to do these loud kirtans and of course they have to be atheistic and envious neighbors who started complaining so it is said that chaitanya mahaprabhu's kirtans were like you know everybody would feel such love of god they would feel such devotional activity um, ecstasies when they were doing kirtan that chaitanya mahaprabhu had given strict instructions that no one who is unqualified should be allowed to come in this kirtan when i am dancing and then we are doing kirtan no one should allow should be allowed and the innocent people of navadvip who were pious they used to actually feel that oh we are so unqualified they were very humble so they would say we are so unqualified and that is why we are not being allowed to enter chaitanya mahaprabhu's kirtans one day maybe we will become qualified so that we will be allowed to take part in all these kirtans but then there were also the atheistic people who would not like these kirtans going on and they would actually spread rumors about what is going on behind closed doors in shrivas thakur's house they would say that what is this loudly people are crying can't krishna hear why do they have they have to loudly cry cry and call out krishna this is now not how it has been mentioned in the shastras we are such great scholars and pandits we know how devotion has how you know worship has to be done i feel that these people are doing some hot pot inside they are actually doing loud you know some singing and all that so they are worshiping different uh, like bhairavi or kali or bhavani and they are singing lusty songs during the day so that they can attract women and at night these women are coming and they are singing these songs of mode of passion so that they can enjoy with all these women and men so like that they started spreading rumors there was one such devotee who was very envious of shrivas thakur and his name was gopal chapala so what gopal chapala did because they were not allowed entry and they used they did, they did not know what was going on and because of their envy they actually wanted to uh, put obstruction in all these kirtans that were happening so what gopal chapala did was one day he collected some paraphernalia to, which is used to worship bhavani or kali mata and he left it outside the front door of shiva's thakur and obviously there was some meat in that which was used to worship kali mata at that time and some red hibiscus flowers so all that sort of worship plate he kept there and when shiva's thakur opened the door in the morning he saw what was lying over there and obviously he understood who is trying to malign his name so he himself loudly called to all the neighbors and he gathered them and he said look everyone i wanted to show you all what i actually do 
all this you know is a show which i am doing of chanting krishna's names and all that but this is my true position i actually worship lord kali and bhavani with all this material see it's already there it's outside my house but the neighbors are very pious people and they realize that this is not shrivas thakur's true position somebody has done this just to uh, spread rumors about him and to malign his name so in fact the neighbors cleared up all that paraphernalia and they cleaned that whole outside of shrivas thakur's house and they smeared cow dung to purify that place because meat and blood and all that was kept over there so but gopal chapala was not spared of this offense which he did to shrivas thakur as once once he did this offense after a few days he contacted leprosy and he contacted leprosy and it was so bad that there were worms and all that like you know pus and blood used to ooze out of all his pores and there were worms in his uh, body everywhere and obviously he was actually a great brahmin so called brahmin and scholar but once you get leprosy people actually drove him out because it was a contagious disease so he used to then just like a beggar he used to live on the banks of ganga like a recluse he had to live and once when he saw chaitanya mahaprabhu pass by from there he actually went and uh, fell at the lotus feet of chaitanya mahaprabhu and he begged for forgiveness he said i made a mistake i have done an offense to shrivas thakur you please pardon me and i'm suffering already so much for uh, whatever i have done but chaitanya mahaprabhu we know krishna cannot tolerate offenses to his devotees at all so he did not pardon him and he said no i am not going to pardon you at all because you have done such a grave offense trying to spread bad rumors about uh, shiva thakur who's my pure devotee but it is said after a few days again he met him in kulia gram where gopal chakra was sitting in uh, you know it all his leprosy body and there chaitanya mahaprabhu the second time when he approached him chaitanya mahaprabhu showed some compassion and he said you go and fall at the feet of shiva thakur and if he accepts you your apology then i will uh then i will uh, pardon you and i will forgive you and you will be rid of this suffering which your body is going through so gopal chakala then approached shrivas thakur and obviously shrivas thakur being a great devotee he actually went and um, embraced him and he said that there is no offense at all i never took any offense from whatever he had done and then chaitanya mahaprabhu pardoned him and he was able to get rid of that uh, bodily disease that he had acquired so in this way we see that shrivas thakur no, no none of the non devotees were allowed none of the people who didn't have pure love for krishna were allowed in his kirtans so while all these you know people used to try to malign him there were some who used to try to sneak in to see the kirtan which was happening at night and one such person was uh, none other than shrivas thakur's own mother in law so she had sneaked in and she wanted to see this kirtan but she was not qualified to see the kirtan So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was dancing in ecstasy, and he actually told Shiva Thakur that I am not feeling any ecstasy at all today. Like why am I feeling some as if there is some obstruction? I am not feeling that same love which I normally feel in my heart. Is there someone present here who should not be present? And that is why I am feeling this bhang in my ecstasies. And Shiva Thakur said, No, my lord, because he didn't know his mother-in-law was hiding. So he said, No, my lord, there is no one here who is not qualified. and then chaitanya mahaprabhu continued his dancing but again he stopped the kirtan after some time and he said no shrivas i am sure there is someone over here because i am not able to realize the same ecstasies and experience the same love which i have been experiencing all the past few days so then shrivas thakur went searching in his house and he found his mother in law hiding behind a door and he actually it is said in the chaitanya charitamrita he pulled her out by her hair and he said look my lord she was present she was standing over here and trying to listen to your kirtan and she is obviously not qualified and that is why you are not feeling exercise i don't think any husbands would dare to do that to their mothers in law pull them out by their hair but she was kapur you know obviously these are transcendental persons so he actually then threw his mother in law out of the house and then then the kirtan continued so in the same way one day one brahmachari was there in navadvi who also was feeling great Uh, yearning or longing to see all these uh, kirtans and chaitanya mahaprabhu and all the devotees dancing so it said it was it said that this brahmachari was very austere he would only drink milk that's it for his survival nothing else he would take no other food stuffs no food grains nothing only milk he would survive on milk throughout the day and this brahmachari approached shiva thakur 
and he said that I'm begging of you, can you please allow me entry? I would really love to see Chaitanya Mahaprabhu dancing and I would really like to see all your all his associates enjoying this transcendental ecstasy of the Kirtan. So Srivast Thakur obviously was a bit scared, he did not want to allow, but this Brahmachari kept repeatedly begging him to him, day after day, day after day he kept begging to him. And then Srivast Thakur thought that yes, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has said that no unqualified people should be allowed. But this Brahmachari is very austere. So Sriyasakur was very innocent in his heart. So he said, okay, this Brahmachari survives on milk. He's such an austere Brahmachari. Maybe he is qualified. So let me allow him to see the Kirtan. So he allowed him in his house and he hid him in one room. And same thing happened. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu started his Kirtan and he stopped and he told Sriyasakur that is there anyone in this house today? Because I'm not experiencing any ecstasy. And then Srivas Thakur, this time he himself was the culprit. So he went and humbly told Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that no, there is no one unqualified in this house, but there is one milk drinking Brahmachari. He was really yearning to see your Kirtan, so I have allowed him in the house. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, bring him out right now. I want to talk to him. And he, he saw this milk drinking Brahmachari and he said, he said that, do you think that just austerities and detachment and surviving on milk and like having control over your senses, is that the only way to see me and to realize extra ecstasies of the Supreme Personality of Godhead? Those are not enough, he said. You need to have your love for Krishna and attraction for Krishna's pastimes in your heart. Only then you become qualified. So he drove that Brahmachari also out. But when that Brahmachari was going out, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu could see that he was very repentant and he was like, um, he was feeling that one day I want to see these kirtans. So he was very pious and he had that strong desire which was a pure desire to participate and see Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's kirtan. So with him Chaitanya Mahaprabhu showed mercy and he allowed him to then stay and see his kirtan. So we see some of these pastimes are there where Chaitanya Mahaprabhu would not allow anybody to come. Now Srivast Thakur, you know, all this loud kirtan that was going on, the neighbors used to complain as well that we are going to complain to the Muslim king very soon. So that he comes and he actually uh, captures, arrests all these people and he takes them and puts them in prison. So when Srivast Thakur heard all these rumors in his ears, he was, like we said, he was very naive. So he became full of anxiety. He said, oh, will these uh, people go and tell the Muslim king and his uh, soldiers and will they put an obstruction because such nice kirtan is going on every day in my house and I do not want this to stop. So with great anxiety in his mind, he actually started worshipping Lord Narsimadev. Very loudly he started worshipping Narsimadev for protection. He said, you only protect us my Lord. We don't want this uh, obstruction in this devotional ecstasies which are going on in our house. You please do something. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, being omniscient, and we know Krishna does not like to see his devotees in distress. So he saw that uh, Srivast Thakur had this transcendental anxiety in his heart. So he came to Srivast Thakur's house and he kicked open the door. And he said that, Srivast, whom are you worshipping? Why are you in so much anxiety? And saying that, he went and sat down on the throne of um, uh, Srivast Thakur's altar. And he said, look, whom you were worshipping is present over here. And then he took the pose of Virasan. You know, Narasimha Devan Mayapur is in Virasan. So he took that pose and he manifested four hands. The form of Narasimha Dev and four hands holding Shankha Chakra Dada and Padma. And he showed that form to Srivast Thakur. And Srivast Thakur was in complete awe that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has manifested the form of Narasimha Dev now. I worship the Lord whom I was worshipping for protection. So he fell at his feet and he... Uh, sang lots of hymns praising and glorifying Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's position and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was very pleased with him and he said do not fear at all when I am there you just continue the kirtans as loudly you are doing I am there to protect you do not fear and do not have any anxiety in your heart and then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said call all your family members I want to give them blessings as well he was still in the mood of Narsimhari so then Malini Devi came Srivastakur's brothers came all the you know, children, whoever were present, everybody came and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu showered lots of blessings on all of them. And at that time, he also saw a little girl called Narayani. So she was the uh, daughter of one of the brothers of Srivas Thakur. And Narayani is also the mother of Vrindavandas Thakur. So he, she was only four years old at that time. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu called Narayani close and he blessed her and he told her, Narayani, chant the names of Krishna. 
and Narayani started chanting the names of Krishna and it is said that at the age of four she experienced so much ecstasy and you know all the eight sattvika, ashta sattvika bhavas manifested in her body and tears could not stop at all flowing from her eyes and it said that when she was crying profusely chanting the name of Krishna there was almost a puddle of water which formed near her feet just because of the incessant tears which were flowing out from her eyes and seeing this in Narayani, all the household people were struck with wonder and they all again fell down at Chaitanya Prabhu's lotus feet and worshipped him very nicely. So these are some of the pastimes which used to happen in um, his house and obviously the great Mahaprakash Leela had also happened which about which we read in detail in Chaitanya Charitamrita. How for 21 hours Chaitanya Mahaprabhu manifested his form as the supreme personality of Godhead. Otherwise, he would always hide that form. He was, he is Channa Uttar, as we know. He would only manifest his form as a devotee of Krishna. But for those 21 hours, he manifested his actual form of Supreme Personality of Godhead. And he actually allowed all the devotees to worship him. So it is said that they worshipped him with thousands of pots of Ganga water. They offered him thousands and thousands of foodstuffs. Like they offered him whatever was there in Navadvi, bananas, sandesh, coconut, so many things they offered. And then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu kept saying, bring more, bring more. So they actually ran to other villages and they brought so much bhoga for all the um, devotees, for, for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to be offered. And when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu saw that there was a very silent maid servant who was aligning the pots very nicely, who was helping to bring water from the Ganga very nicely, and in the background, she was serving very nicely all the devotees who were then bathing Chaitanya Mahaprabhu with Ganga water during Mahaprakashtanda. So that time he asked Shiva Thakur that who is this girl who is bringing water from Ganga and aligning all the pots? And Shiva Thakur said that oh she is Dukhi, she is one of our maid servants. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said I do not like this name Dukhi because Dukhi means misery or sad. So he said from today onwards her name will be Sukhi. And because she is serving you and all the devotees so nicely, she will have love of Godhead. She will experience the same devotion which all of you are experiencing for me. And say, you know, so at that time, it was said Sukhi then manifested all the devotional symptoms which all the other devotees were experiencing when they were um, worshipping Chaitanya Mahaprabhu during that Mahaprakash Lila. So it is said Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was so... Um, compassionate that he would even bless, like he told Shiva's Thakur, that even the cats and dogs of your house will have devotion to me. So he did not even spare the maid servant of uh, Shiva's Thakur because Shiva's Thakur was such a dear devotee to him. And during one of these kirtans, it is the last pastime before we wind up, during one of these kirtans, it is said that Shiva's Thakur's son actually passed away and he was Shiva's Thakur's only child. And obviously because he passed away, all the ladies of the house were in extreme distress. They were feeling so much separation from, especially Srivast Thakur's wife, they were feeling so much separation from uh, their son. So they were lamenting in the inner chambers and they were crying. And Srivast Thakur went and actually admonished all of them. He said that whatever has happened has happened. He like gave them some philosophical some philosophy and he said that our son has passed away in the presence of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu dancing in Kirtan in our house. What more auspicious departure could someone hope for? So he has definitely achieved the goal of the human form of life. He's definitely achieved the destination which all of us are yearning for. Then what is there to lament? Just be happy that he has achieved this destination and even if you feel like crying, do not cry loudly. Just cry in your hearts because I do not want Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's devotional uh, kirtan to get any to be disturbed in any way. Because if you all cry loudly, he will immediately sense it and he will stop the kirtan. So saying that, Srivastakur went outside in the courtyard, in the angar where they used to do kirtan and he joined the kirtan as if nothing had happened. And his only child has passed away. So if we apply this to our own lives, will we be able to do that? Like participate in a kirtan when our only child has left this world. But Srivast Thakur obviously is a great pure devotee. So he just participated in the kirtan as if nothing has happened. And he strictly told all the devotees not to tell Chaitanya Mahaprabhu anything. So when the kirtan ended, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu sat down and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, that is there some sad incident that has happened in this house? Why am I feeling this, uh, this sadness in my heart? 
I'm sure there is something that has happened which you all are not telling me. So Shriya Sathur said, My Lord, wherever you are dancing, can there be any unhappiness or misery present at all? There is nothing like that that has happened in this house, my Lord. That your dancing has brought so much happiness to all of us, to all the three worlds. What misery can exist when you are dancing and you are singing yourself? But the other devotees then went and told Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that actually Srivas Thakur's only child has passed away. And that is why you are experiencing this sadness in your heart, my Lord. And that time Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was like grief stricken. He said, Alas, your only child has passed away and you did not even tell me Srivas. And Srivas again, you know, same thing. He said, My Lord, he has had such an auspicious departure. What is there to lament when he has passed away in your presence? So then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu went in the inner chambers and he actually put his hand on Srivas Thakur's son. And he said, My child, come and talk to us and tell us what you are experiencing. So obviously he is Lord Krishna. So the soul came back into the body of the son and he rose up and he spoke. And he offered beautiful prayers to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And he said that in your presence I have left my body. So I have attained the highest goal, the highest destination, my Lord. Now there is nothing for me to lament and nothing for my parents and relatives also to lament. I have gone back to your lotus feet and that is what is all that matters in this human form of life. So hearing these words of the boy, and obviously then the boy became silent. The soul again left the body. The, all the devotees, all the relatives present there, Srivas Thakur, his wife, everyone's hearts became very pacified. And it is said that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu personally helped in performing the final rites of Srivas Thakur's son. And that time he told Srivas Thakur and Malani Devi, he said, you all have lost this child, but I promise you that from today onwards, myself and Lord Nityananda are going to be your two sons. You, are, you can consider as our two sons and we are always there to look after you. So do not even think that you are childless now. Not one son, but you have gained two sons now in the form of me and Nityananda Prabhu. So that is how so much compassionate Lord Chaitanya was towards Sri Vastakur. So after Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took sannyas, Sri Vastakur could no longer bear to live in Navadvi. The memories were too painful. Because imagine his house was the prime place where all these pastimes used to happen. So then he actually moved to Kumarahatta. Kumarhatta is the birthplace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's guru, Ishwara Puri. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu used to sometimes come to Kumarhatta to visit his guru's uh, birthplace and that time he would always visit uh, Shiva's Thakur's house in Kumarhatta as well. And it is said that Shiva's Thakur would regularly tra travel with all the devotees of Navadri during the four months when they used to go to see um, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in Jagannath Puri and he would spend time over there. So these are some of the glories of Srivastakur. Obviously it's an ocean speaking about Srivastakur, but time's up. So we end the class here. Um, Shri Srivastakur, Divine Appearance Day Ki. Hare Krishna. Any questions? Um, Hare Krishna, Mahatma Thank you for the wonderful class. My question is that when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was in Srivastakur's house, there were a lot of unqualified people in. So when so there were very nice questions. So there were two forms of kirtan. Obviously, this was a kirtan which was happening in closed doors in Shiva's Thakur's house with very close associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. But they also used to have nagar sankirtan, where they would go out and spread the holy name. And especially Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had given that duty even to Lord Nityananda and Haridas Thakur. So we know how Lord Nityananda and Haridas Thakur used to preach. They met Jagai Madhai and how Jagai Madhai then tried to uh, harm Lord Nityananda. So like that he used to send all these preaching parties also all over Navadri where they would do loud kirtan. They would engage all the devotees in um, chanting the Hare Krishna Mantra. We see even when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself used to travel. He went to South India and that time he actually instigated everybody to become devotees. Even Ram devotees became Krishna devotees. And they would all join in the Kirtans which Chaitanya Mahaprabhu used to do. Even in the Jarikhan forest he chanted loudly and all the animals also started chanting. So that was the Nagar Sankirtan or the loud Sankirtan Chaitanya Mahaprabhu used to do to get everybody involved in chanting the Hare Krishna mantra and to spread love of God to everybody. But this is what used to happen was like how I said it's you know comparable to Ras Leela. 
So in the Ras Leela also, if we know the pastime, like even Narad Muni, Lord Shiva, nobody was allowed in the Ras Leela because that was Krishna's own devotional ecstasy which is dear most exalted devotees. So in the same way over here, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu used to do this Kirtan which used to happen in Srivastapur's house. That was his devotional ecstasies with very close associates of his who were qualified, like the gopis were qualified to be part of the Ras Leela. In, in this way, these devotees were qualified to be part of this Kirtan. And that, that, that time other, other people were not allowed because this was the highest love of Godhead which was being manifested. And others, if they see that, they might misconstrue or misunderstand what was going on. And therefore, he was not allowing. But on the other hand, he used to do loud Kirtan on Nagasan Kirtan. That time everybody was allowed, just as we do it over here. Any other questions or comments, corrections? Okay, we'll end the class here. Thank you.